It's like, how can we build the best team and get the most out of our people by putting them in these situations where they're comfortable and they're like, I can give you my best like this. And this other person can give you their best like this, but we don't have to force everybody into one model. Hello, fellow entrepreneurs and Triple M Nation. This is Steve Hamoon here, and this is the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, your go-to resource for breaking financial plateaus and taking your business to the next level. Whether you're just starting your entrepreneurial experience or you're a seasoned veteran striving for expansion, you are in the right place. As myself, as a successful entrepreneur in tech, construction, real estate, mortgages and financing and in my business consulting i have helped countless individuals achieve their financial success by pinpointing their challenges and guiding them to creating massively successful outcomes now don't worry it doesn't matter if you're making under a hundred thousand dollars or if you're making well over a million this show's intention is to offer you a fresh perspective and provide actionable advice to help you drive your success Each week, we bring in powerful stories of guests who've wrestled with challenges, much like yours, and have emerged victorious. These stories are not far-fetched fantasies. They are possible and they are real, and they are a testament to what you can achieve with the right mindset and the right strategies. Expect an in-depth market analysis, empowering insight into sales and marketing and HR, and above all, an unwavering commitment to you to guide you towards achieving your financial goals. So are you ready to unlock your entrepreneurial potential? Join me every week on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, where success isn't just a dream, it's a journey we will embark on together. Hey everybody, we are so excited. We have Nick Shelton here. Now Nick has been known for his book he released back in 2020. It was called The Introvert's Guide to World Domination. And he is a world-class speaker. He's known for his TEDx talk. And his TEDx talk was a creative solution to social anxiety. I think we're seeing a theme here. And so let's just get right to the brass tacks here. How do you go from an introvert to speaking on one of the largest platforms out there? What's the trick? Oh, well, it's very easy. So being an introvert just means you're. it's an energy exchange. So... Like when you wake up in the morning, I believe Simon Sinek uh, explained it like you would wake up and you have so many energy coins and every interaction you have, it takes an energy coin away from you versus like an extrovert. They wake up with no energy coins and they every interaction they have, they get an energy coin. So I can do stuff. I just need to hit the brakes and recharge by myself afterwards. So that's a beautiful way of saying it. And Simon Sinek's one of my favorites, Start With Why. What an amazing book. So talk to me a little bit about that. So you've got, you know, you you get up in the morning and you're like, okay, I've got this big speaking event today, or even I'm going to book this big speaking event, you know, how does this energy coin, how do you start building them up? So for me, I, so I wake up with a certain amount of energy and then the interactions. So I, if I have like a big thing to do that day, I'm not out doing a whole lot of socializing maybe the night before or earlier that day. I can to a certain point, but so if I need to go and shake some hands before the big speech, I can do that. But then I like to kind of isolate a little bit before I'm going to go get on stage and save that energy. And then when I get on stage, 
there's the big energy exchange. And then when I'm off, I need to go be alone for a little while. It's kind of interesting because I think a little bit about some of the you know major comedians who are out there. I think Robin Williams was one of them. He was very much an introvert outside of his presence on the stage. Right. And, I, and you know, there's a, a really good guy. He's a, he's got an amazing podcast. His name's uh, Grand, Graham Stephan. And when you see him on his podcast, I mean, he's just so alive and expression full and, and he's just got a lot to say. And then you get him in person. And it's not that he doesn't have those things to say. Right. He's just a little bit more aloof than when he's in front of the camera. Yeah, and it's, and it's Johnny Carson to see was like that too. Really? Yeah, Johnny Carson was, uh, you know, really charismatic on, you know, when the cameras are rolling on the show. But then they said afterwards he wasn't really uh, good at socializing. Yeah. Well, Graham's good. He's just not to the same level as in his camera. He's just so charismatic in the camera. It's it's hard to beat that. So what made you kind of say, I want to get into this? What was the TSN turning point to say, I want to start? Because, I mean, let's talk a little bit about you, your history. I mean, you're no schlep. You know, you've got a background in the military, you know, went into chemistry and you're, you know, you've got a very technical background and there, there's a right. lot of uh, success that can come in from that space. What made you say, you know what, I'm just going to not throw that aside, but put a focus really on, you know, this engagement with people. Well, I, I you know, I heard that saying you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. And I said, well, I, I can't just stay at home. I have to actually meet people. There's stuff I want to do out there. Like I like sailing and kayaking and, you know, I don't have a sailboat. So I said, if I meet someone with a sailboat, then I could probably go sailing because I'll you know, say, well, that is the best way to have a sailboat, by the way, <laughs> yes, is to have a friend weird. who has one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. So I said, I have to meet people and then I will be able to expand my life and do things. But, you know, how do you do that? So I started, I was the guinea pig. I would go first observe how other people did it. And then I would, you know, there's a lot of people out there that do theories or they do the scientific thing where they say, well, lab rats do this and their brain lights up. And I'm like, how does that help me? You know, I need to know what I can do. And so I would see somebody do something. And then I would say, well, what part of that can I do? Because, you know, there's introversion, there's shyness, there's socially awkwardness. Those are three different things, but I was all of those. And I was like, well, what can I actually do that that person just did? And then I would kind of break it down into these little tiny steps. So then I could go, be first show up, be in the room because nothing happens if you're at home. You have to be in the room. So a lot of times people say you have to show up and meet 20 people. And I'd say, no, just show up and be there. And you don't have to talk to anybody at first. And then the next thing would be, I say, hunt introverts. So instead of trying to just go for the big fish, look around the edges of the room. Someone's going to be sitting there looking timid or unsure, <laughs> looking on their phone, seeing what the Kardashians are doing, whatever. But they're trying to look busy. And I will go and say, I'm going to rescue this person and I'll get engaged with them. And then, you know, you build up to it. And so that's what I did for myself. And with the speaking, I, once I learned how to navigate and do some social strategy and networking, people would ask me, Hey, can you talk about that? And at first public speaking was a little tough, but then I started really enjoying it. And so I said, I, I need to do more of this. So now that's how I got we're into here. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you spent some time a little bit ago identifying three different categories and you said you were all three. Yes. Let's kind of flush those out a little bit so people can start to identify 
hey, you know what? This is actually me. This is where I fall into it. It's not a problem with me. It's just something that, you know, I just need to embrace who that is and, and develop. Talk to me a little bit about right. that. So, you know, the, we talked about the introversion. And so then the being shy, that's just not like feeling that you can necessarily engage with other people. You're like, oh, I want to, but it's kind of like this almost linked in with social anxiety because you're thinking, oh, you know, what are they going to think about me? What all these things that can go wrong? You're picturing all these scenarios in your mind. And so it's just like, I'll just sit over here and I'm not going to talk. And if somebody wants to talk to me, they can come and talk. But it's this this shyness. And then we have the socially awkward where you might go over there, but you don't know what to do. So you say something uh, that might be considered really a weird thing to say or your body language might be off. And so somebody might feel, what's what? And so and I know a lot of people like this where they just come up and they're trying to make conversation, but they don't necessarily know how. So they'll just say something really out of the blue. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then that makes them kind of shut down like, uh oh, I don't know how to recover from this. And then they just stand there awkwardly. And so that would be the socially awkward when you just don't know what to do. So you do maybe a shade of the wrong thing, but then it kind of spirals out of control. Mm, I see that. I see that. Yeah. And I can look back in social situations and see exactly where people would walk into space and say the same thing. And you know, it's funny, there's a disc profile tool. Have you seen that? The disc, disc indexes? I have. I know I took that a couple of years back, I think. Do you remember where your disc sat before you went through this metamorphosis and where it was afterwards? I think I only took it afterwards. I didn't take it before but I might have it on my desktop here. Let's see. While you're checking that out, the one thing for people to understand what the disc is, it's a profile tool. It's great if you're looking at hiring people, especially if you're looking to hire people into a sales or a customer service role, or maybe HR or leadership where you know human interaction becomes a really important element. Or even if you're looking for an account and you're trying to think, is this the person who's going to focus on the detail that's necessary to look after things? So the D is for the decisiveness. In other words, if they're high D, they're looking at making a lot of uh, decisions they want to be in control. If they're low D, they're agreeable and, and you know they'll let somebody else take charge because you know they feel comfortable when somebody else has the reins. When you're looking at somebody who's high S, they're very gregarious. They're just out. They want to talk to everybody and anybody. And you know, as Nick was talking about, you know, their coins get loaded. You know, the more names they talk to, you know, whereas the person on the bottom, they might talk to less. But maybe they're good with that because they, you know, they develop a lot of really good deep relationships when they talk to people and they're comfortable with those less amount of relationships or maybe a little bit more deep. And the S, we're looking at stability. We're looking at people at the high is the people in the government. You know, they want that government job or that, you know, post job where there's a person low, it's the Wild West, you know, put me in out in a forest with a matchstick and I'll get out of here. And then the C is the person high detail if it's high and low detail, if it's at the bottom. So how did your disc fare out? I, it was not on my desktop. Uh, I know I took it, but I don't know where exactly where those results are. At the moment. <laughs> no worries at all. Just an interesting test. So I would highly suggest anybody out there, go out and get your disc done. It's a really, in fact, go get your spouse's disc done. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it's a really good way to, you can, well, you can check it out with me. Just send me a DM and I can tell you how to get it. Um, so Nick, so let's talk about this. So you got this done and you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to 
really get out of my shell and start going out and networking. That's in fact how we met was at a networking event. Yes. And so good on you for that. And, but how did you kind of say, okay, I'm going to actually write a book about this? Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'd go to all of these networking events because since I teach people how to network better, I have to keep my blade sharp. So I have to go to these things. And so I would go and I would speak about networking and socializing, social strategy, and people would come up and say, where can I get your book? And I didn't have a book. And I said, well, <laughs> after a few people asked, I said, well, apparently this is something that people are going to keep asking me. So uh, let me just write all this stuff down. And it was actually is pretty easy to write the book because I knew what I wanted to say. I think one of the biggest hurdles is people don't know what they want to say. But I said, oh, okay, well, this is the structure a, B, C, D, this is kind of what you would do. And I just made an outline and wrote it out, just like I would be talking to you. This is what you need to do. This is what I did, and this is what you can try. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then once you got the book out, you put it on Amazon, I assume, and uh, yes. started watching the sales fly in, or how did that go? I put it on Amazon, and I believe it's on Barnes & Noble as well. And it, uh, yeah, then I was on a bunch of podcasts just talking about it and yeah, people resonated with it and yeah, it, it's done quite well. Now was the book that kind of led you to the idea of speaking on the Ted talk or. Well, I always thought that it'd be cool to do that, but I didn't really think about it until, and this is kind of how a lot of life goes. One of my friends said that it was one of his goals. He said, uh, my goal this year is to get on the TEDx stage. And I was thinking, maybe that should be one of my goals. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I wrote it on my goal sheet. And then, you know, then it happened. So yeah, it mainly, I, so I didn't really, I just thought about it kind of on the back burner until he said, oh, this is priority for me. And I was like, well, I'm putting that on my list too. And so that's And, that's and who got much there the, first? I got there first. He's still, yeah. he's still working on it. Yes. Uh, but I'm sure well, he'll be he'll, there soon. He'll get there. He'll get yes. there. That's awesome. Well, that's amazing. That's And then from the TED Talk, you really kind of love, fell in love with this whole speaker endeavor. Yes. And then now you've actually developed a couple more speaking events. So talk, talk to me a little about your next one. You know, we're talking, it actually was really apropos looking at the last couple of years and what's been happening in the workplace. And then the development of the hybrid workplace where people work from home, people work from the office and sort of the duality of the individual of who, you know, really thrives in the office space and who thrives at home. So talk to me a little bit about that. It's, this is an exciting topic. Right. So the workplace has changed. We all know everybody went remote that could go remote. And then now they're trying to bring everybody back. Hey, come back, everybody. At least uh, a lot of the companies are. And so when I looked at it, I was seeing a lot of struggle because, you know, a lot of the and it's not so black and white, but a lot of the extroverts ruled the office forever. And then, and they were in the spotlight doing their thing. Then when everyone re went remote, all of that, you know, uh, politicking and, and cool personality stuff in the office place, in the workplace, that doesn't carry over into the work environment. So now all these people that might've been in the shadows before, now they're in the spotlight, they're getting stuff done. And they're like, oh, I'm on it now. Now I'm accelerating. I found my spot. But all the people that were thriving in the traditional office, they were they're struggling. And so now 
that everything is kind of coming back, they're like, let's get it back. Let's go back to how it was. So then all of us who thrive in the traditional office, we can get our little our grip, our little power grip back. And the other people are like, no, 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 we need it like this. And so they don't want to give it up. And so there's this, this tug of war and these, these different dynamics. And so it's a lot of introvert, extrovert, but at the same time, like I consider myself an introvert, but I do really well in the traditional office. So I, so it's different personality types really thrive in different work settings. So uh, maybe, maybe you're just an extrovert in hiding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I still need that that downtime, but I can go and I can do these selective socialization things in the office place. And you can't really, so at home, it's just pure productivity. But in the office, there's more, there's productivity, but then there's also a lot of that intermingling and socializing aspect as well. And so some people, the people that aren't good at that, they can be good at just the pure product productivity at the house doing their thing. But then there's other people that are good at, well, let's go and make these personal connections, which is a lot harder working remote. You know, so these there's these different styles and the people that were ruling before, they're like, let's get it back to how it was. But the world has changed. The world is different now. So we got to find this balance. And so that's what this talk is about, how companies can can actually move into this new era, this new hybrid era that we're working in and make the most of it without losing their best people. Now, if you were looking at the idea and just playing off and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're looking at the idea that the people who are sort of thriving in that remote space with you know l- less communication and that sort of thing from a community perspective, that the say the extroverts really benefited from when they were in the office, do you find that if they're going to try to still try to create that remote community, that the introverts will adapt to the online experience of remote community, whether that be you know an internal uh, community network or whether it's uh, Zoom sessions? Any of these things? Yeah, I think that that yes, the people that thrive in the remote workplace, or I think that what you're asking, are you asking if the extroverts would adapt to that, or if the introverts? No, the introverts. If the introverts more... adapt quicker, who would? Well, actually, that's a great uh, adjustment to the question. Who adapts better to that online Zoom life? So the introverts adapt faster. I think the extroverts would take some time to try to figure out how to make that make the most of that bridge because they'd have to you know kick in some of that remote part and the productivity on that side but still maintain the in-person things and so what we're looking for with the hybrid is how to make the most of that so the strengths of the person that works better in that remote environment, they can showcase their strengths, but then the person that works in the traditional office, they can still showcase theirs. So it's not just one or the other. We're looking at the hybrid as, you know, intermingling both of these things and then putting people in positions where they can still be able to showcase their strengths. So it's not like everybody has to come this way or everyone has to come this way and somebody loses. It's like, how can we build the best team and get the most out of our people by putting them in these situations where they're comfortable and they're like, I can give you my best like this. And this other person can give you their best like this, but we don't have to force everybody into one model. 
And, and that makes total sense. I mean, when we run events right now, we run events with a hybrid model. There's certain people they've got to be in, you know, in breathing the same air for them to actually you know, ingest the information that you're sharing with them. With them. Yeah. And then there's other people where, you know, they want to be online. They're, they don't want to commute. You know, they don't want to get out of their house and allows them to be able to attend quicker and faster, more events. And so, you know, they become, they can move faster actually in the virtual space than they can in the physical space. Yes. But some people like, so if there's a summit, so I know there's a lot of online summits and then there's in-person summits. And for me, I find if I'm on an online summit, sometimes I'll get distracted. And so I'll be sitting there and then I'll be like, Hey, there's something going on over here. And then, then I just go, what did I miss? But in person, I'm just in the chair and I'm just there completely focused. And then when they have the breaks, I'm out shaking hands and meeting people, which it doesn't work the same on the online summit, but. Well, that's, cha- that's changing though, because, you know, one of the, the platforms that I think is really pioneering this uh, is a platform called Alignable. And Alignable is this, it was a platform I signed up for probably seven or eight years ago. I thought, you know, I couldn't get get into it. I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't see where it fat, fit in the space. You know, LinkedIn was doing such a good job growing. Alignable just seemed this odd platform, and I just parked it for a long time. Yes. And then it was probably October, September, October of this year. I, I got this little message about, "Hey, join this Smart Connect." I'm like, what is a Smart Connect? And so I went onto this, and and literally, it's a room of two hundred some people in like a big sort of quasi Zoom session, uh, but it's obviously their own proprietary, proprietary software. And, and then they just do breakouts. So in an hour, you're speed dating with other business owners in, in an online platform. So it, it's really interesting because you can do that. And I know Zoom has the same ability. Right. So you can actually do those breakouts to actually network. Yes. That is a good point because I have been to, it wasn't a summit, but I've been to some online networking things where they did several breakout rooms during the thing. And I'm sure that that allowed me to meet. So in person, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to meet this, this person here. But in the breakout room, they're just like, Hey, (laughs) you're in this, (laughs) you're with these people. And then, so I would talk to these, this group. And then the next time I'm with a different group and, you know, sometimes it's the same, but a lot of times it's a different group. And then I'm interacting with people that I might not have been able to interact with if I was in person. So yes, it does have its benefits. Sure. Yeah, I think it's one of those platforms to watch. If you're not on Alignable, and and I don't work for Alignable, I'm not sponsored by Alignable, but you know, I met a lot of the people in the leadership of Alignable, and they're great people. And the software, I think, is going through absolute amazing uh, metamorphosis. So it's it's doing really well. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I I always wonder, you know, which is the best in person or not. I mean, our brokerage it runs completely. You know, I own a mortgage brokerage, and our brokerage runs completely virtual, and it's done that probably for about what, five years or so. So long before the lockdowns and that sort of thing, we were, we were completely comfortable with that kind of working space. You were ready. You were. Oh yeah. I I, I was, yeah, I would say I'm a prophet, but no, I wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) just dumb, just dumb luck on that one. But it was one of those things where I did have a big office space at one point. And you know, what I found is, is you you get a lot of socialization, especially of, uh, you know, hyper social people your productivity actually starts to drop based on if you don't control those inputs that can happen, you know? And uh, whereas when you have that home office and the door's locked and nobody can get in, right? you can power through work and get it done. 
and then you can go out and socialize. Yes. And some people are able to do that. And some people, you know, their spouse might not know, hey, this is work time. I need to be able to focus on this. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother input. Spouse, spouses or children or both yes. or puppies or whatever else you might have. You know, they'll say, well, you're at home all day. Why don't you just do the laundry? Right. You know, I was working. Oh, you could have just done it. It doesn't take that long. Well, I was working. Yes. You know, and, and yeah, I can see that as an issue for sure. I've seen that. Yeah, that's amazing. So we talk about, you know, the remote space and, and, and then it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, and we saw this a lot in the mortgage industry where, you know, during the, the blow up in the real estate space, the amount of people who worked remote and there was a lot of them for the government and whoever had their full-time job and then they sort of became disenfranchised, you know, for what they were doing for numerous reasons. I think culturally that, you know, controlling culture in a remote workspace is an art form. And I think a lot of people didn't do that very well. And then people started to realize there's a big whole world, you know, outside of their space. And they started realizing that with all of these increases in costs, you know, that the middle class isn't a destination, it's a beginning. And so the idea of being able to say, I'm going from, you know, where I am today and I need to escalate out of here and do something that kind of leads into one of the other talks that you kind of really like to talk about, which is the idea of going from middle class to badass. And so talk to me a little bit about that. So that came about because I was thinking of, you know, so most of the motivational speakers and inspirational speakers that I saw, they had these really harrowing circumstances that they were trying to escape these like you know they were homeless living in the car you know their parents left or abandoned them or they're just getting beaten and all kinds of horrible things were happening to them and then they had they had a drug problem and then they're successful and then i was thinking wow that's quite a quite a jump there and i'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that, but there's a lot of people that can't necessarily relate. So there's a lot of people in the middle, like my parents are together. I never wondered where my next meal was coming from. I'm very fortunate and lucky for that, but, you know, I would have been okay. And, you know, my mom's dream was that I'd get a job at the post office. That's what she wanted for me. Post office or enterprise rental car. That's what she said. Good benefits. (laughs) And I said, well, I, you know, and I could do that, but I wanted something more. And so I was thinking, well, and I think maybe a lot of people after this, you know, they went remote and looked around. Sometimes they say they're going to stick with it, but sometimes they say, wait a minute. And they can look at the quality of their life and say, I think I might want more. But how do you get from where you're at without these dire circumstances where it's like, oh, I'm going to be living in the car and I need to make it work versus I'm okay, but I would still, so I don't have that fire lit under me, but I have this desire for more. And so that's what that next keynote is about. How do we get from that middle to being the best version of ourselves? Well, I, you know, I think that's a really important thing. And whether it be in sports, in your relationship, whether it be in your business, I think you could look from middle class, which is really middle grade performance, you know, to badass, which is top performance. And that could be applied to any aspect of life. Right. You know, I think a lot of times you could say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm moderately healthy. I'm good. Are you David Goggins good? <laughs> 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 you know, my relationship's great, you know, but could it be better? Of course I could. Right. And, and so I think, 
you know, the idea of, do you need something that is saying that everything is terrible? So therefore I have to do something that that doesn't necessarily have to be the fire. Now, middle-class is a funny word to use because I do think there's a fire there. I think there's a fire that people aren't paying attention to because when you look at the average family, I mean, the average income in family income, so that's dual income in Canada is $80,000. And so if you, once you take the tax off of that, that's $50,000. Well, that's $4,300 a month. Yes. You know, rent is about three grand. So that leaves them $1,300 to pay for their car, their food, and any savings that they want. That's not middle class anymore. You know, I think the idea that middle class was if I make 100 grand, I'm happy. If I'm at six figures, I'm happy. It, it can't happen. So the fire does exist. Right. Yes, there's, yes, there is. It is vanishing and it's getting harder, especially like with inflation and things like that. And so people do want to make that move. They, they don't want to slip. So it's like you got to move in a direction and you want to move, you want to move upward for sure. And I think in a lot of time, it's a, it's also a fight against what the social norms are, right? Which is, you know, be happy with what you're with, what what you have. Money doesn't buy you happiness. You know, all of these things we're sort of taught, don't talk to strangers, you know, all of the things that we're taught as kids, they sort of start to gel in our brain and they become the barriers to our success later in life. Whereas if we drop those items, we can all of a sudden realize that there's so much out there. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of mindset in there. And then there's a lot now with the social, the, all the, the social media out there, we get to see, we see, oh, it seems like all these other people are doing all of this stuff that I would like to do also. And, you know, some of those people are just showing things that they're not really doing, but it still creates that desire. Like, oh, there's more because you know, there's, there's a lot of like people in remote villages that they're really happy and, you know, living in a hut with a dirt floor and they're just like, Hey, this is, this is this. But if they saw something else that, you know, if they saw your house, they might go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I think I would like that. So it's not, so you can be happy with what you have, but there's, once you know that there's other things that you can have, and it broadens the horizon a bit, then sometimes you say, I would like a little more. So for me, it wasn't necessarily material. Some material stuff is there, sure. But, you know, I wanted my life to matter. I wanted it to mean something. And so not just for me, but for to other people as well, to make a difference in other people's lives. And I know that if I'm just okay, then it's harder. You know, I could still volunteer and do just be nice to people, but I can do a lot more if I have more resources. Absolutely. You know, my wife was a a paramedic for 15 years. And one of the the big things that they always talked about is look after yourself before you go in and help somebody. You know, so like the idea of the firefighter running into the building, this has happened before and into, you know, perilous end, but the fire to the firefighter running in to save that, you know, kid on the top floor without their gear on because they're trying to be a hero you know, invariably they become a liability on the scene and now somebody else has to look after that person but at risk. So the idea that we're looking after our own house before we go look after somebody else's, you know, that, and the only way you can do that and start to fit other people into your vision is by creating a larger impact. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. We got to help people. Hey, this, I found a doorway. Come on, everybody. Let's you know, <laughs> shift our mindset and let's, uh, we can all do it together. Nobody wins alone. So, you know. That's right. Well, it, and that's why it's interesting because all of your, all your stuff ties together. 
you know, when you look at, you start off talking about the introvert's guide to world domination, you know, that leads right into then, you know, dissecting what does a workforce look like and how can you be successful in, in the dynamic space that we have today? And then you say, well, how can you take that success to the next level, you know, and really create the life that you're looking for, whether it's measured in, mon- in money or whether it's measured in impact, you know, I mean, it's, it, it can be measured in whatever mo- money's just like a, a scoreboard, yes. right? And that's all it really is, is a scoreboard. And so, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's a great journey that you've got. Now, for people who want to, you know, hear your message, what's the best way for them re- to reach out to you? Uh, they go to nicksheltonspeaker.com. That would be the best way to get a hold of me and to see what I have. Beautiful, beautiful. I highly suggest you guys go check him out. Go check out his TED Talk too. The creative solution for social anxiety. I mean, what a way to start off to just listen, you know, how he presents and, and what he's talking about. Maybe grab his book too, but then definitely go to nickshelton.speaker.com and get him book. That's S H E L T O N.com, N I C K. Nick Shelter speaker.com and and let's make that happen, man. What a great message. Thank you so much for joining us. Any parting with words to to share with the audience? Uh, It all starts with showing up. So show up. That's my number one. People say, what's the number one tip? Nothing happens if you don't show up. So I think that's a beautiful message and I love it. I use that every day for people coming to jujitsu to train. So (laughs) (laughs) well guys thank you very much for joining us and joining with nick here guys uh this is the money mindset mentoring podcast signing off we'll see you on the next one and triple m nation that is a wrap for this week's episode of the money mindset and mentoring podcast this is your host steve hamoon reminding you that success is not just a destination but a journey that we take together I hope our discussions today have sparked ideas, challenged your thinking, and ultimately equipped you with strategies for financial and entrepreneurial growth. Remember, every challenge is a stepping stone towards your goals, and every victory brings you closer to your vision. Let's continue to learn, evolve, and reach for the stars together. Stay tuned for next week's episode, packed with more inspiring stories and insightful discussions. If you found value in our time together today, Don't forget to subscribe, share, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Until then, keep fostering that growth mindset. Keep leveraging money as a tool for your expansion and never stop believing in the power of your dreams. This is Steve Moon signing off. See you next time, Triple M Nation, on the Money, Mindset, and Mentoring Podcast.